0: From hunting insights to science based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America. The DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. I am your host on this episode, Dr. Mike Brazier, and joining me is a return guest and someone that uh, I think a lot of our audience will be will remember and will have um, will want to hear from again. Be excited to hear from again because every time we have him on, it's to talk about some changing weather conditions or some seasonal forecasts related to weather and climatic factors that influence duck movements, where, when, that type of stuff. So joining me on the line is Dr. Mike Schumer from State University of New York Environmental. No, what is it, Mike? It's um, I, I, I messed it up. There. ESF. <laughs> it's, it's
1: good. It's, it's all good. It's the longest uh, college name in history, I think. It is the State University of New York College of Environmental Science and Forestry. We go by
2: ESF. It's the college part that I was missing, you know, because you have a certain image or a certain idea of what something is supposed to sound like. And when I didn't incorporate the college, I'm like, oh, I was lost. So College of Environmental Science and Forestry. Did I get it that time?
1: Yes, you did. All right. You're good.
2: ESF. (laughs) So welcome back, Mike. Thanks for taking time to join us here. We're going to start out. Give us a, a brief reminder of the position you hold. Describe yourself to our audience for those that may be hearing you for the first time and what's your area of expertise. Let's just go that way.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mike. That's a lot of pressure. I am an associate professor at ESF. I'm also the Roosevelt Waterfall Ecologist at the Roosevelt Wildlife Station. Um, Roosevelt Wildlife Station is really old. It's been there since like 1911. It's the only one of the only things that Teddy Roosevelt actually named after himself. So, uh, just a little plug for that. It's you know New York has a huge history in conservation, right? Mike, mm-hmm. um, DU started in New York, so yeah, that's right. people people kind of forget that. Um, So I teach a ecology management of waterfall class. um, And then I have a follow up course that is um, wetland uh, conservation and management for wildlife, which is kind of like the broader class. And then we do a summer course where we take students out and have them see kind of full blown kind of wetland management as well. Um, I've also recently taken over the ornithology position, so I'm teaching ornithology every spring to about 60 students, but our focus at ESF is really waterfowl, wetlands, very applied research for uh, waterfall conservation at the continental
2: scale. And Mike, you have described yourself on previous episodes as sort of a closet meteorologist. I kind of consider you a meteorologist at at this point because a lot of the research, I, I think you have some personal interest in that space, but you've also kind of married that personal interest with your research interest your scientific interest and you've you've applied your I guess you've tried to use data to understand what drives waterfowl migration um, and and there's a great story there behind how all that came to be and the paths that you went along to to develop some of the products that you have now uh, and we don't need to cover all of that again I would encourage people to go back through our archives and search for your name as a guest on previous episodes. That's Dr. Mike Schumer, S-C-H-U-M-M-E-R, and you can get more of the history of that. But uh, you... You're pretty unique, at least across the waterfowl academic profession in the type of work that you've done in this regard. And uh, I always, always enjoy, we're going to talk a little bit later on about some new things that you have going, uh, a podcast and and a website and, and so forth. But I always enjoy talking with you because it means... As I said at the beginning, that we're we're going to hear about some in some cases local, local, but more than any other sort of global meteorological cycles that uh, that you've studied, and there's tons of data on now, and we try to link that, or you try to link that to uh, to waterfowl migrations, and so uh, I I know that here we are in late October. There's a couple of things happening. Uh, we're in, we're recording this on October 24th and we actually have one of the most, one of the first significant weather systems coming into the Mid-Continent. I wanted to get you to talk about that here in a minute. But first, the other thing that a lot of us have heard about coming into this fall and winter season is, uh, something called El Nino and the fact that we are trending towards, uh, maybe moderate uh, El Nino, moderately strong El Nino pattern. And we get questions every now and then about what that is. And and I think it. there are some broad patterns. We've talked about those with you before. And I think it heavily influences the way you describe sort of the early season forecast for this waterfowl season. So, I want to start there, if that's okay with you, uh, kind of recap where we are on el nino why it's important and what you have described to to some of your followers and some of your listeners on on what it might mean for an early season forecast for us.
1: Yeah, it's a little tough with an el nino for early season. It's 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 going to really hit folks late December and January probably for the most part, right? There's going to be a lot of wobbly what I call wobbly atmosphere stuff. And that's like polar vortex disruption. The media calls it polar vortex, but it's like this disruption in Arctic air that then pours into certain parts of the continent, which is going to happen this week. Right. Um, It's uh, Mike, I under forecast this, by the way, I look, I just looked at it. I did my homework. Uh, So people are aware when people come on here, they, if, especially if they're asked technical stuff by Mike, (laughs) Mm. um, they're, they're they're gonna do their homework and I looked at everything and um the the cold air that I forecast to only get to like you know mid North Dakota is gonna push way into Iowa and even places further south. So yeah. I'm
2: happy about actually, that. I'm happy about that, by the way.
1: I know, I know, I know <laughs> <right>? <laughs> for multiple reasons. So this is the stuff that you know, like everybody says, like El Nino gives general patterns, the south's gonna be cold and wet. Um, The prairies are going to be generally warm throughout winter. But that doesn't mean you're not going to get a cold outbreak that pushes ducks south. And so, you know, I'll go, I'll plug the foul weather podcast now. It's like, yeah, do it. We give a weekly, we give a weekly forecast on, on Sunday and and I'd say we under forecast it. I think ducks are going to move even further South than what we had said already. And that's going to happen, right? Like it's a seven day forecast stuff changes. Um, but we're, we're at least forecasting the movement of birds ahead of time, but yeah, El Nino is going to affect our winter. We expect a, you know, warm kind of prairie upper Midwest, a dry Great Lakes, and a wet and cool south And that'll help. There's a lot of drought going on in the Mid-Continent right now in general. All the river gauges are low. Everything looks really dry. And we we need water in those places, right? So that's not going to hurt people, I don't think, for for duck hunting.
2: Yeah, Mike, I was down in Louisiana this past week. um, And even before that, I had been getting reports from a lot of my friends and colleagues down there. uh, Rockefeller Estate Wildlife Refuge in... In southwestern Louisiana, a lot of those units are dry, completely dry. We're talking like cracked marsh, dry. Um, a lot of places that people typically have good success uh, during teal season were completely dry. The only water was in some of the some of the deeper canals and and ditches. Uh, it is an incredibly dry landscape. I drove south uh, to to just south of from Memphis to south of Homa, uh, all the way to the Gulf, essentially this past week, and you get past you get south of Jackson, Mississippi, and I've never seen anything like it, Mike, and it was just so dry that, I mean, periodically you would see where a car, it would have been an accident and a fire would have broken out on the median and it would jump to the median and on both sides of the roads, and uh, and then periodic, just the, the the random dead tree, just in amongst otherwise mature trees, pine trees, deciduous uh, trees, it, it, it was... The, the number of apparently dead trees, completely brown leaves or needles in the case of pine trees, was just shocking to me. And I think it's just a testament to the extreme drought that's going on in the southern portion of those states. It's dry in uh, in the Mid-South as well, uh, Arkansas, Missouri, northern Mississippi, and certainly the Great Plains. So your description of a... Uh, of a cool wet winter for some of those mid or Southern latitude States is certainly welcome. We haven't seen it yet. So we're, we're waiting on it to materialize. And so, yeah, anything else to kind of to add on, on the, the El Nino front, what it have, has anything changed since the, the more recent, since, since kind of you spoke about it on your podcast, the strength of the El Nino or anything of that nature?
1: Not really. Um, I mean, it's it's still there's you know there's multiple forecasts out there for it, right? And so it's either in a moderate, in all likelihood, or a strong El Nino. So the likelihood of uh, across North America, like a full blown super cold winter, is low. So whatever ducks move your way at whatever time, right? I'd say take advantage of that because it could moderate, and you know that it's not just about the movement of birds into your area, but then what the weather is on the day you hunt. I mean, I hunted this morning and I did a grind and we—I I shot five ducks, but it was—it wasn't easy. It was a private marsh. I should have killed six birds within you know thirty minutes, and it was just high skies and no wind. And it's going to be seventy degrees today where where we're at in Central New York. So as I told you, Mike, I. I, you know, deep, fully deboned a deer that I mm-hmm. shot with a bow last night before we talked to you guys. So, uh, things got to get done when, when temperatures are warm, but the ducks don't always fly. So, you know, when you get those cold events, um, you should, should probably take advantage of them and, um, you know, look for the forecast for those for sure. Just a, a kind of long term thing the seasonal, we'll dig into this later, Mike. So I might cut this now, but the, the seasonal stuff, um, The next seasonal one's going to come out uh, November 6th, right? So that'll give us a feel for what's really going to happen this year as well. And it doesn't look good. So Siberian snow cover is horribly bad. But the ice cover, oddly, in the Arctic has closed up all the areas. It's like, think about Great Lakes. You know, if the Great Lakes are open, there's huge snowfall across like New York and other areas late in winter. But the Arctic ice is actually closed up where Siberia can even get snow anymore. So the likelihood of a system that's going to create like polar vortex... Disruption type stuff is low. Really, I'm, I'm basically going off map here and telling you this. So yeah, well, late, I, late on late late in winter, we are gonna. I think we're gonna be really hurting. So
2: yeah, yeah. So it's iced up. And Siberian ice is is pretty extensive, and then that eliminates or that reduces the chance for moisture to get into the air once that once the water freezes, and then the moisture in the air is what leads to the uh, to to the to the snowfall. Is that general? pattern? Is that the way it works? That's
1: exactly what it is. Yeah. It's just like the Great Lakes, right? Yeah. Um, and and when, when Lake Erie freezes up, I mean, Buffalo, New York is known for its snow, right? Yeah. When Lake Erie freezes up, it doesn't snow anymore. And when Lake Erie is open in March, they get just pounded. But uh, the area just north of Siberia has actually already locked up. I don't even know all the physics of this or how the sea ice happens, but it's locked up. So the likelihood of Siberia getting any more snow is low. Um, and that that greatly affects um, oddly you know it does it affects low and high pressure systems and and how we get weather in North America and how we get cold outbreaks. So the likelihood of cold outbreaks right now is a really quick and dirty estimate looks pretty low.
2: Now did, does that Siberian pattern have any effect on on the likelihood of us getting that the cool uh, wet, Conditions here uh, in in the southern reaches. Do we what do we know about those kind of interactions?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. I think it's like um, when, when's
2: it going to get when's it going to get wet. That's that's what I'm <laughs> wanna, that's what I want to know yeah. down here. When's it going to happen? Because it's not in the forecast.
1: Right. I think that's what people debate about. Right. I think it's going to be late. I think it's going to be like a January event. And my con- my concern is you guys are going to get cold cooler. So it says cool and wet. And when, when folks at southern latitudes here cool, they're like, oh, great. Yeah. But the problem is, is if it's warm north of you, the birds aren't there. Yeah, so you got cool right. weather and it's wet. So where I'm at is that I think birds, like, these few events we're going to have, we've got some wobbly stuff going on in the jet stream. Birds are going to move south. They're going to move into, like, I don't want to throw Missouri under the bus because they, <laughs> they hold your guys' birds, but um, they're going to move into those mid-latitudes. They're going to hang there. Yeah. And then the problem's going to be is that if late you get wet, then, yeah, if birds even move to you, they're just going to be super spread out, right? So, it's mostly about doing homework and finding where where those birds are at.
2: And right now, it really doesn't matter because there's not a whole lot of habitat out there right now because it's so dry. And that's kind of what is, and I think it's pretty dry in Missouri also. So and, and it's not unlike last year. I think we did some of these. I don't remember if we had you on last year, but we obviously talked to a few people about how dry it was. And we were at this point where we said, you know, if you've got water, if you have... Have the capacity to pump, or have some miraculous source of other natural uh, of natural water, then you should do pretty well even during the early season, even absent significant cold outbreaks to move ducks south. Because we know there's always some ducks that come early, regardless um, of of these major weather systems. And and I know you go into a lot of this on some of your episodes. But if if you've got water, the early season, the way the landscape is looking right now you ought to do pretty darn good. There, that, that situation, that guidance applies every year in some locations, but, but this is almost like a carbon copy of last year for some of these mid-south regions. The Gulf Coast region uh, is certainly an exception. It's different from last year because of how dry it is down there. Uh, great Plains state, it's really dry. Portions of Texas, really dry. Man, there's not a whole lot of habitat out there for the birds right now, at least in terms of water.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a concern, Mike, right? I mean, great for shooting ducks. Yeah, when if, they, you, if, if you, if you they got get it. Pu- yeah. if, if they get pushed and you got it. I'd rather just see... Kind of water every. This is always who yeah, I, am, I know. Right? I want to see water everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I want to see ducks do well. I mean, it's got to dry but you up. Want hunters to, to do
2: well too, right? Want, you know, right, if-
1: right. Yeah, no, 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 no. I want, I want ducks and hunters. It's, it's a trade off, right? Yeah. Like it's sometimes tough, right? Like um, the biggest thing you want is a flight to come back to you every single year, no matter what. That's that should be your goal, right? But, but you got to balance that with trying to ensure that you know hunters are satisfied they're 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 killing birds putting putting food on the grill is fun and 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 shooting ducks is fun i i think that we have to balance this stuff and understand that yeah we want we want healthy birds but it, boy those years when they concentrate and you shoot the heck out of them it's not a horrible year. You just don't want year after year after year of that. Yeah,
2: that's right. Well, and you can't. It's it's unrealistic. If, if that's your expectation, then I'm sorry. You're just going to be be disappointed more times than not, right?
1: Yeah, and and I've said it's on the most recent podcast, and I will plug uh, James Calicott. He he works for Mississippi State now. He he went to state when I was a postdoc. He was in my waterfall class, and this kid uh, basically came up with a quote. Um, when, when mallards weren't showing up and there were warm years, he said, uh, I don't know what it was. It was, it's on my podcast, or our podcast too. It was uh, love the gadwall, embrace the shoveler, or embrace the shoveler, love the gadwall. It was one of those, but the mallards aren't, the mallards might not be coming. So there's a lot of good ducks out there and, and they make great duck kebabs and, and good shooting and good friends. And I mean, I know greenheads are king. I still feel that way, right? Like, but it might not always happen.
0: Stay tuned to the Ducks Unlimited podcast sponsored by Purina ProPlan after these messages. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina ProPlan Sport.
2: Let's talk briefly about this weather system that's coming in. You said you kind of underforecasted the the um, see what the the significance of it or the the um, extremeness, the strength of it, maybe is a way to say it in, in your, a recent podcast that you released. But w- what kind of weather system are, are we dealing with here? You know, you talked about how we're not get, we're not likely to have as many polar vortex disruptions, and I don't think this is anything like that. What what kind of weather system are we dealing with here?
1: So this. This actually is like an early season polar vortex no, disruption. Okay. I don't mean to burst your bubble No, there, that's but- fine.
2: I misunderstood it then. That's why I ask a question. I'm not the expert. <laughs> it, here. No, no, that's you're why good. You're, you're
1: good. So here's <laughs> the thing. You, you're like, you're a meteorologist. I'm like, no, I'm a duck <laughs> biologist that just plays around with weather yeah. a lot. Yeah. It's fine. But in these years where... We're gonna have a warm year it's it's really weird to say, but like as all that stuff equilibrates and settles in on this pattern of being warm, there's a lot of these like bubbly cold things that come out of that and i'm I'm trying to just use kind of like super general. Talk because half of it is Mike. I don't understand all of it because it's. I'm not a climatologist. I'm not a meteorologist. I've I've just studied it. You're pretty, pretty close well and understand. Eh, well, you know, <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I I I, I dabble in a lot of. Um, dark arts, so.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hot. We're, we're approaching Halloween, so that's okay.
1: It's fine. Right, right. So, as we kind of settle in on that pattern of stability where um, the cold air stays north, um, we, we do get a lot of these, like, little equilibrium-type things where where cold air shoots out and uh, of the Arctic and then, and then shuts off, and it finally settles in on the solution of what it's going to do for the year. And so this is a pretty significant event um, coming out of, I, I just for folks like duck on wise, it's like East of the Rockies out of Alberta. I mean, it's a total freeze-out event for Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, but it's moving way further south than what I thought. I would forecasted to like North Dakota, but it's going into Iowa and then it's even moving east next week. So it looks pretty good. Um, you'll hear more about it on on Monday, next, next Monday morning.
2: Yeah, good deal. Well, so if your hunting season is open, the key takeaway, uh, like I said, we're recording this on the 24th of October. We're going to try to get this out on, I think the 26th. Uh, if you're hunting... Season is open if you're in one of those areas where you're going to be experiencing some of this cold weather. I mean, this is one of the times, right, Mike? This is kind of why you got into this. You wanted to be able to use information to improve the chances of, of spending your time out in the field uh, when you're more likely to be successful and you're more likely to be successful when you've got something that is causing the birds to move, that's that's causing bird new birds to move into your area. And this is certainly one of those times, one of those systems. We kind of have to also kind of give the Uh, give the reminder to folks that, you know, be careful. Uh, these, if you put, don't put yourself in in harm's way, I don't know what kind of wind situation we're looking at with, with, with this system, but it doesn't take a whole lot to put yourself in some sort of, you know, perilous environment out on some open water in a, in a small watercraft. So just be mindful of all that as well. But, you know, this is, this is a, a great early season opportunity, right, Mike? Yeah, I think
1: this, this happened earlier than what a lot of us expected this year. And, um, you know, I'm I'm just really excited that it's an opportunity for folks at, at this point in the season. I think we've got good movement of birds. And early on, coming out of, a, I mean, one of the warmer summers we've ever seen across the planet, I wouldn't have predicted this. So I think uh, you're right. I mean, watch, watch where you're at. Watch what you do. There's high winds coming with it. Um, there's 10 inches of snow coming into places in Montana. So... My comment is is you know while the the getting's good get after it if you can and and do it safely yeah for sure, for sure,
2: Mike. Let's move on to a little bit of, of the new project that you have going, um, the Foul Weather Podcast. I really like that name, Foul F O W L Weather Podcast. Uh, what did you? When did you start this? And talk about some of what it is you're trying to accomplish, and where can people learn about it? Uh, what are they likely kind of information are they likely to to gain from it? Give us give us sort of an update on on a, a pretty new thing happening in your life there
1: yeah thanks Mike it, it took a it took a long time to really do this There was a I mean we talked about I think I was on when we talked about the YouTube channel I ran a few years ago, and that was kind of like the pilot thing to see if people would be interested and rather than run it on YouTube, we decided and I had a lot of requests to do it as a podcast um, and then we've got uh we have a web page which has a little bit of extra stuff on it. It's got some uh, duck recipes and things like that to start right Some other information about us. It's foulweather.co. It's not .com. Dot um, com was taken by um, hmm. I don't know I think it's like some old like chicken cartoon or something. No about, way! It's really weird. Yeah, so foulweather.com is taken. We could have bought it for twenty thousand dollars, but we decided to go with co. Oh my so we're all good.
2: I double checked that. Whenever I first saw it, I was like, I need to double check. I think I saw your email um, associated with that, and I was like, I'm going to double check that uh, that email address. And so, <laughs> sure enough, it's dot co.
1: Yeah, it's it's because we're running out of stuff. There's too many things on the internet right. nowadays. So the impetus for this really was, you know, we were doing something different research-wise and, and trying to inform people about when ducks were showing up different than anybody else. And I thought about how busy people are in our schedules. And I'd been using these kind of mathematical algorithms for years that we developed across multiple universities and multiple places. And I really wanted, I mean... I just want people to duck hunt and enjoy their time out there. When they take kids, I want them to see, you know, skies filled with ducks. That's never going to be a guarantee. It's still hunting, right? But if there's a way to provide people with a better opportunity to do it, Um, That's what I wanted to do. And I also wanted to kind of be a voice where we kind of push the envelope and we get a little edgy at times and talk about controversial issues. Because I think that, you know, state and federal agencies should be that manage these resources should be advocating for for duck hunters as the champions of conservation that they are like Ducks Unlimited and, and others, you know, other other nonprofits that are out there doing the same thing. And I just felt like I had space in my career at this point to push this out the door. And and just see where it went. I mean, if it falls on its face next year, I'm just going to give up, and you'll never hear about it again. <laughs> and you'll have me on here, and I'll be like, "Well, that sucked," and we
2: just moved on from it, right? Well, if I if if I know <laughs> duck hunters, uh, I I think you're gonna I think they're going to find that interesting. Uh, I I certainly do.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, Mike. I I do, and and so that's what we're trying. You know, we're doing we're doing something different. It's kind of between the. You know, the 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 average Joe um podcast and, and kind of what you guys you guys do really good with the science and you have great guests on here. And then other folks at the other end are, you know, just Joe Public Duck Hunter, which is awesome. And and I'm I would say I'm we're what we're trying to do is fit a little bit in between and inform people, entertain people, um, and then also tell them when the ducks are gonna show up, right? Yeah. Mike I don't want to push this one too much, but like you guys, others give duck reports. And there might be a duck alert, but it's like a major, major weather system. You know, like what we're doing is we're pushing out the door a, a forecast each week, which is a little different from I think what everybody else is doing.
2: Well, and it's a, it's a forecast that's based off of uh, is it over a decade now? I guess it is probably a decade over a decade of, of research and empirically, I'm old. yeah, empirically I'm informed old. <laughs> models, and so it's it it definitely is different. You, you and I have talked in the past about uh, wish there was a way for us to, to partner. And, and I think if we had more resources, we could. But, you know, the reality is you just can't do everything that you want to in the timeframe that you want to. So I'm glad to see that you're kind of pushing this forward. Uh, there's there's a, uh, yeah, you talked about the website. It's the, the, the migration reports, those types of things are available on that website?
1: Yeah, they are. And we're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as the Foul Weather Podcast. So if you just type in the Foul Weather Podcast, F O W well weather podcast um, you, you should you should find us
2: uh, let's see so what else Mike um, I guess other than other than just saying I, I'm glad to see you do that and I, and I agree that there is sort of a, a, a space there in between what we do because we can't be as as edgy and as you know we have to probably leave a little bit of the entertainment value on the uh, entertainment aspect of it on the table just because we can't be as as edgy as we would we would like to be and and, and that's okay that's what we that, that's our space. You know, we work with a tremendous diversity of people. It is one of our core philosophies is to, you know, not get at odds with the people that we depend on to do the work that, that we do. And um, that's, I think that's a great thing. And I think that's where I was talking to somebody about this recently. Uh, We've, it, it shows time and again that if you try, if you come into it, if you, if you approach something honestly, wanting to work with someone, you can find common ground, even though you might have some differences in some other areas. And so, uh, or even though there are other ways that you might want to go about trying to address a certain issue, we we do it um, by trying to find that and focusing on that common ground. And and so, that's that's understandable that that our organization would would choose that approach, and it's uh, yeah, it it leaves some opportunity for others out there to be a bit more a, a bit more provocative, push the envelope a little bit, and I think that's a good thing. So kudos to you for for kind of uh, seizing that opportunity.
1: Yeah, Mike, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I feel like this is like people are going to think this is a setup comment. And no way is it. <laughs> I was thinking about this today. I mean, I've traveled all over the place. I lived in Mississippi, right? I've lived in South Dakota. I've lived in Ontario in Canada. I've been in Manitoba. I've worked in West Virginia, Virginia. I I don't even want to start. Between my wife and I, we're in like six provinces and like 38 states we've worked in. But the thing we always find is like people are cut from the same thread. And in general, like the the DU crowd is cut from the same thread and and that we all have that common ground. It's the same thread, but it's a very broad thread. That's what I really appreciate about DU in general is the is the great crowd that it attracts. It's it's just such a solid comment. I mean, it's such a, a perfect singular comment of you know filling skies with ducks and focusing on habitat. And I'll talk a lot about that on um, the Foul weather podcast as well. I mean, we're gonna go through like a little bit of a wetland management series as well in the spring. Um, we're gonna. I don't know. We might delve into other things weather-wise with deer and turkey as well. I mean, it's got to get broad. I'm going to run out of material. <laughs> like <laughs> I, you, you've been through that in a podcast, right? I don't know. So it's man. not like we can just do ducks and ducks all the time. So
2: I don't. Why not? I I'd, oh well, look, yeah, yeah. we okay, we you have, got it. it just you got it. <laughs> no. It's just a matter of how you know how fine you slice the topics. I I think. We've we've diversified some of the topics that we cover, partly out of necessity for the capacity limited capacity that each of our our co host has. You know, we've added co host and that covered different areas. I guess it's a couple of things. One is the fact that we have. Our, our, our host or our co-host have limited capacity. The other is that our audience is broad and has diverse interest, and so those things kind of work hand in hand. But if we wanted to just stick with duck ecology, habitat management, or things of that nature, uh, you can find a lot of stuff to talk about uh, d- depending on how fine you you break it down. I think you'd find people would be uh, would be interested in that. You know, so my, my one of my biggest problems is, is that. I always get too far down in the weeds, and, you know, then I just get bogged down. So, it's, uh, yeah but it is, it is what it is. I
1: think you do a fantastic job with this. I, and in fact, actually, I think this is the worst we've ever gotten down in the weeds. I think we've been stayed above them most, most no. years. So, no. yeah. Well,
2: let's see, Mike, anything else? I mean, I appreciate the the early season forecast. We talked a little bit about El Nino. Um, we didn't really explain what that was. We've talked about it on previous episodes. I know you cover that on one of your episodes. So I encourage folks to seek out some of those episodes and learn about that. We'll try to connect with you here in a few more weeks or a month and a half or so down the road and sort of get another late season forecast. But, uh, and, and then we've talked about your your new venture. Congratulations on that. Look forward to following that. Uh, anything else before we, before we say goodbye here?
1: Yeah, not really. I mean, we're, we're covering uh, the next, our seasonal forecast part two, where we, you know, have enough information to really tell you about what's going to happen. Kind of late December, January at southern latitudes with duck migration that'll drop on the fall weather podcast on November sixth. But my comment really is just just get out there, get after it, and you know enjoy the time that with with family and friends and in the duck blind and in the you know the, in the fields woods, and in the marshes woods, and deer stand, everywhere. Yeah everywhere. It's just a great time of year. It is. You know? Yeah.
2: Before we go, you, you, you did mention that you, uh, you stuck a deer. Uh, are you going to try for another? You usually try to put two in the freezer or more?
1: <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, <laughs> That's funny about that. We, we, we have like 11 doe tags. Oh, okay. three, three yeah. two buck. Ta- I don't know. Like I, I think actually, no, we can shoot like 11 deer total here or something. Um, you know, it's in, in central New York, we're in kind of Lake Blaine country. It's, ah, it's pretty okay. decent. There's a lot of deer. Okay. Um. Yes. Yes. We try, pri- so, we try to put three in the free, than, yeah. we try to put three in the freezer. So I've got a couple of big bucks running around on camera I'm excited about. Uh, they don't want to show themselves during the day. And uh, yeah, we're all, this is a, this is a sidebar, Mike, but we've got a dog with like a liver issue from something weird. And so we're going to put her on a um and she's a machine in the marsh, absolute machine. Folks on my Facebook page is the f- our Facebook page is Co. So you might look up uh Jaeger. She's an awesome machine. And um, but we're looking at putting her on like a home diet. And okay. I'm pretty
2: sure she could probably eat like two deer a year. Oh. Okay. So
1: we might have some work there to do. We go. <laughs>
2: That sounds like an interesting project to follow there. So, yeah, I hope, I hope yeah. she recovers. Hope uh, whatever it is. Uh, you, she
1: seems perfectly fine. It's just like high li- enzyme, liver enzyme uh, stuff, and we're just trying to get it under control with some different diet. Yeah.
2: And you've uh, you, you've mentioned you've already been able to get out in the marsh a few times. Is y'all season about a third through now? Is that right? Or a little bit more?
1: Not even. It depends Not on even. where you're okay. at. Our northern okay. tier opened up early October. We've got a bunch of splits. Um in the so we'll run through. Oh goodness, don't quote me. We just opened last Saturday in uh, the western zone and the southeast zone. Um, I know, I'm pretty sure we run through like November 11th and then we open back up in December. We have a downtime because our early birds, you know, our our wood ducks, our green wings, our pintails, wigeon. We don't get many shovelers here, right? They're they're all early, and then late. <clears throat> You know, December is our divers and our mallards and our black ducks and our geese mostly. So we have a split where we shut down for a few weeks. It's fine because it's like the great part of the rut um, for for bow hunting and, and such. And then uh, our deer gun season opens in, around Thanksgiving-ish or so. But our shooting's been great. Our pintails are just off the hook. Awesome. Um, i decoyed this morning i'm an idiot i shoot the first tell ice i've done this like 800 times but well, you
2: don't know how many more you're gonna get oh no it's
1: i knew i was in a marsh I would have a ton of them i don't i never shoot like I never shoot like a nice bull spray up here. Like we don't get them like you guys do down south, right? But we still get like decent looking ones. But I'm like, oh, here's a bird. I'm going to shoot it. I know it's a pintail and I can shoot one. I did that and then I decoyed like 60, 70 more pintails within range. Um, so eastern pintails are, I think I've said this to you before, like eastern pintails are a thing. Um, I don't think folks realize you know everything in the midcontinent is awesome I've lived there but you know we get really good shooting over here and we have we have we have a great duck hunting culture still so I, I, I think I just want to express how people need to appreciate um You know, duck hunting everywhere.
2: Mike, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for all that you're doing for the waterfowl uh, resource, whether it be science, conservation, now into communications in a major way. Uh, Welcome to the club. Um, Not that you weren't already doing that, but uh, you've taken another step. So um, I can I sympathize with you a little bit, knowing what you're getting into. Thank you, Mike. (laughs) And I have
1: uh, yes, yes, yes to the nth degree. I have. uh, I'm, I'm I'm shooting with with folks out in ohio um starting thursday and i have to find some way to get my podcast on by sunday so yeah i get it i get it good i i really do and like honestly like now that i'm starting to do it more in, in this thread i had a feel for where you were at but it's a heavy lift you shouldn't have ever dip your toe in it by the way yeah well
2: <laughs> you shouldn't have either but but we both probably are in the same boat of like it's it's needed i mean there's a need it's out the there. the right that's thing right. that's right yeah thanks mike yeah. we'll catch up with you later
1: thank you sir Have a great day.
2: A very special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Dr. Mike Schumer with the State University of New York College of Environmental Science and Forestry. We always appreciate him joining us here and being gracious with his time and expertise. Uh, We thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for the wonderful job he does with the podcast, getting them out to you. And to you, the listener, we thank you for your time. We thank you for supporting our podcast. We thank you for your commitment to wetlands and waterfowl conservation.
0: Thank you for listening to the DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina ProPlan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina ProPlan always advancing. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit Ducks.org slash Du Podcast. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. and your dog are a team fuel is best in the field and in life with purina pro plan sport made for hard-working dogs of all ages every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina try it today and see why pro plan is the official dog food of ducks unlimited learn more at proplansport.com